Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, yeah. All I care about is money and loads. Welcome to Showtime Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Reggie Coleman. I have guests David Broach and Kylie Lewis. Our first topic is uh, who's the MVP? Well, the race is over, but we're still going to talk about it. So, Dave, who's your MVP? Well, to be honest, this is the first year in NBA history or since I've been around watching basketball that I think it actually should be a co-MVP based upon where both of these guys have taken their teams and the things that they have done, it has been a historic year for the NBA and it's also great for the NBA and the business. So I, I don't think that one guy's effort or one guy's numbers should be dismissed based upon what both uh, James Harden and Russell Westbrook have You're done. Crazy. Leader, Khalid Lewis, I call him leader. <laughs> what do you think about it? Uh, I honestly don't think it's a question. Uh, I got Russell Westbrook all the way. Um, not to negate anything James Harden has done all season, but uh, he's doing some, Russell Westbrook is doing something we never seen before. All right, but let's talk about. I'm sorry to cut you off, uh, Kali or Lewis, Lewis <laughs> leader. But <laughs> let's just look at where these teams were last year. All right, give or take. Yes, we're going to say Westbrook did great things for his team, and the numbers have been extraordinary and gave him a triple-double for the year. But where the Rockets were last year to where they are this year, one, to me, shows that Mike D'Antoni's not a bad coach. As a lot of people try to give him a bad He's a system coach. Absolutely. And the system that they have running right now, like you just mentioned, uh, Reg, the system that they have in with uh, the Rockets has been really, really good to them because they have shot makers, and he's allowed James Harden to handle the ball and be the point guard. So, like we were just saying, like I said, I don't think that that can be missed to know that they were such a bad team last year. And James Harden's had made guys like Clint Capella, who none of us knew who he was before James Harden, uh, a household name. So, you tell me co-MVPs. Co-MVP. First time I, I, for everything. Why not now? I think that's a cop out. You you got to give it to Russell Westbrook. 
people wrote him off all preseason, off season when Kevin Durant left. They said they wouldn't make the playoffs. They said they should rebuild. Westbrook ended up signing a new contract, letting people know that he there for the, the long run, for his career, really. And they had a six seed. He averaged a triple-double. He also made players better. So why not give him the MVP? He deserves it. He plays hard every game. He missed one game this season. And, yeah, they lost the first game of the playoffs by a bunch, but I expected that. But they're going to make adjustments, and he's going to do his thing. Of course, he had a bunch of turnovers, but he's going to adjust, and he's going to be better. And I I believe they're going to win the second game of the playoffs. Based upon, all right, given, given what you said, based upon game one, what James Harden did for his team and ultimately for setting the tone for this whole series, if we had to look at it from, I know it's not a... I honestly don't think it's that. It, it, it's, it's fair to base it all off of, I feel like the, the MVP race is going to be based off this series. And I don't, I don't think that's fair because... Like I said, the the season Russell Westbrook's had all year, like and and he's doing, like I said, something we've never seen before. In in years, I, I don't think I, I don't understand how you could and to, go to, against that. To your credit, as you just said, the numbers don't lie. Westbrook Westbrook has done something that none of us have seen in our lifetime. Average a triple double. Um, Oscar Robinson was on the only person or the last person to do that at that level for a whole season. So to dismiss that, I think would be the wrong thing to do. But we're talking about winning. We're talking about what would happen if you were to take the best player off that team. And we're talking about most valuable player. And in a regular season setting and in a playoff setting, based upon those two teams, I just feel like James Harden, uh, what what was he? Two assists or uh, one leader in assists? One or two? I'm talking about overall numbers. The one or two off of everything that Russell had done. They both have raised their level of play. Where I I find it hard to give it to one and discredit winning one, and also discredit what the other has done, knowing that he was just as close, but not as far as the other guy. Well, we're gonna have to agree to disagree. Because Russell Westbrook averages a triple double, <laughs> <laughs> so you can't discredit that. You said you don't discredit it, but co MVPs is like I said before is a cop out. So Russell Westbrook, I believe, should get the MVP, and no Khalid agrees with me. So David, no you're on the wrong <laughs> side of the door right now. <laughs> Two to one, you guys win this. Um, get so, off the island, baby. So. <laughs> We're going to catch you on the next flight. <laughs> uh, but to keep going on within the playoffs, um, we're going to talk about the Boston and Chicago series. Uh, first off, condolences to Isaiah Thomas and his, his the loss of it in his family, his sister. Um, so what do you guys think about that? Well, I'm going to go first. This is Dave. Um, first and foremost, like you said, condolences to his family and all that he's gone through. Nobody knows what that's like to to lose a sibling and be able to play at a high level. And uh, one, knowing that everyone there is for you, it it makes it hard for you to take your mind off of what what is actually going on. Um, all of us having 
played basketball, have always used basketball as a getaway, but it never ever necessarily been on that public stage where everybody had an opportunity to have an opinion on what was going on, and especially in a, a situation where something tragic like that happening. So uh, based upon what I've seen through that first game, I, I will say in the Boston-Chicago series, that game one, to be honest, I, I don't think that um, Isaiah Thomas should have played, but I'm not one to necessarily make that decision. Um, based off the way the game was played, I will say Isaiah Thomas played really, really well, but uh, Chicago was... Just a veteran team, uh, better on the boards, and that's something that right now I don't think Boston can fix based upon the size that they have inside. Uh, Al Horford is one that I, I don't really th- think is a center, but obviously he plays the center position and stretches the floor out, which has become a, something that's normal in today's game with the four and five position. But uh, they got out-rebounded by, I want to say, I'm not exact on the numbers, but between 15 and 20 rebounds, they got out-rebounded and that's not going to be able to uh, win you a series knowing that you're giving the other team so many uh, second-chance opportunities. What do you think, uh, Khalid? Uh, once again, I want to say uh, send my condolences to Isaiah Thomas and his family. Um, I know just losing a family, mem- family member and, you know, uh, dealing with situations like that, they, they got, that's got to be tough. Um you gotta be a strong individual to play through something like that. So, um Yeah, as they were saying, like condolences to Isaiah Thomas. Um, cause it takes a, a tough, tough willed person to actually not only cry pregame, but actually go out and play. And he had uh he did what he had to do for his team. But you can just tell, like, basketball was the last thing on his mind. It was more so family. Um, family actually visited him in uh, Boston to try to give him support while he goes through this tough time um, because they do have a game, uh, game two, which he can't travel home to Washington. So they came to see him instead so they can give him some type of comfort and uh try to help him out as best as they can through this tough time. But on the other side, get back to the series, uh, not Boston, Chicago looked good. Um, Jimmy Butler, he's doing what Jimmy Butler does. He scored 30 points. Um, he guarded Isaiah Thomas in the fourth quarter. He shows that he's the one of the best two-way players um, the game has. Um, so what do you guys think about Chicago and what they did uh, before the before the series started, I, I when I seen uh, Boston would be playing Chicago, I, I knew they drew a, a tough HC. Um, just with the the, vet, the veteran veteran players that Chicago has, uh, you you talk about Rondo, you talk about Wade, you talk about Jimmy Butler, um, just those three names right there. That's that's those are veterans in, in today's league, and. Um, Obviously, they haven't been pe- playing well all season, but they just have that experience. They've been there. Um, <laughs> Rondo playing against his former team. That's probably just just as fuel to the fire. So, And uh, I'll say, based off, as far as Chicago goes, like, to piggyback off what uh, Kylie was talking about, Chicago's a veteran team. Um, s- still 
young in some areas, but uh, enough of a nucleus to figure things out that a younger team like Boston wouldn't be able to figure out. And uh, there's also a lot of talk about, on the other flip side, Boston being uh, number one, them being one of the weaker number ones that we've seen in a long time. But defense has been their stable. And like I said, when Chicago's able to get to the boards and get second chance points, doesn't really matter what your defense is looking like. You're giving the other team second and third shots, then Chicago's going to have a chance as long as they continue to rebound the way that they do. Yeah, I agree with you guys. And with Chicago, they have what I would say star power in which they have two stars. Um, whereas Boston, they have one star and a bunch of like role players, I would say. So D-Wade, he always comes to play in the playoffs, whether he's not playing well in the regular season or he's injured. Once the playoffs come, he he steps his game up no matter uh, what seed they are, who he's playing against. So that's an added bonus in itself. Then you have Jimmy Butler, who's on the, on the rise, who plays the best player on the team, and he scores 20-plus points a game. So when you add that together, that's – you won't sit – usually if you look on paper, that's not an eight seed. So Boston got the short end of the stick, and uh, I think the Cavs, who many say played into trying to get the two seed – to not have to face the Wizards in the second round um, played a part in that. And as I talk about the Cavs, let's jump into this series. The Cavs are the Pacers. Uh, I like the Cavs. Uh, I respect LeBron. They should have lost the last game, but they didn't. Like LeBron said, a win is a win no matter how you win. So, Dave, how you feel about the Cavs-Pacers series? Uh, I thought that... Through the last stretch of the season, the, the Cavs struggled a little, um, especially in the month of uh, March or April, right before. Well, yeah, right. Really both right into the playoffs. Um, and I thought that's something that they had to figure out because we go from last year where we had a Cavs team that was efficient enough to do what they did. But the early on, the, the, the ongoing conversation became about Kevin Love being hurt them not having him, what that would be like. I mean, and that's something that no team controls. Uh, right now, I think that in the series that the Cavs are in, um, playing against uh, the Pacers, it, it it's a pre- for, for them, being a, a little more experienced team, I would think that is a little more easier series. But after game one, like you said, uh, it's, me personally, game one, I thought the Pacers – Misfumbled a couple of plays down the stretch that they gave it away. Really gave the game to the Cavs, absolutely. Um, and just watching a little bit of game two from what we've seen, uh, the Cavs really showed their dominance or their ability to, to to be a superior team in the East. So obviously, I do think that the Cavs are the favorite in this series. Um, I think that. Uh, the Pacers adding Jeff T did add a different dynamic to their team, but so far, thus far through this series, he hasn't been able to be what I thought he could be for their team. So the Cavs still have some things to figure out, but I think this is a good series for them to figure out and going forward, uh, or at least for now, they they should be able to figure it out and get rolling like a, a experienced playoff team has done in the past. I, I agree with Dave, uh, uh, one of my big things about the the playoffs and beating all these top teams, like if you if you're playing against the Cavs or the Warriors, uh, even the Rockets or the uh, the Spurs, it's, I 
I think it's about firepower. Um, if you you don't, if you're not a team with that much firepower, you you can't score the ball that that much as much as them teams like them. You're you're, I don't know, at a loss. Just in Cavs have in the series, the the Cavs have always done a very good job of putting pieces around LeBron James that aren't necessarily dominant, but guys that he can spread the ball to and, and they're able to knock down shots and just really just do their job. You you look at the Cavs team, you talk about Kevin Love, knockdown shooter. Talking about uh, Kyle Korver, knockdown shooter. Talk about Shannon Fry, knockdown shooter. So although these guys aren't necessarily have superstar power. As Khalid said, just firepower, ability to do what it is that you do at a high level. And that makes you an effective playoff team and gives you an opportunity to win at the end of the day. Well, yeah. LeBron said he needed playmakers. He didn't necessarily get playmakers, but he he's the playmaker. So he got they got a bunch of shooters around him. Um, like you said, Kyle Korver, Channing Fry, J.R. Smith when he's on. Uh, Shumpert can hit a couple jumpers here and there. Uh, Darren Williams, with the addition of him, he's a playmaker in, back in his day, and recently he'd been playing well. So he has the, the team to at least get to the finals. Who knows if they'll win? They they have to play defense. But um, as far as this series goes, I think it's a no-brainer. They'll probably sweep them, if not 3-1. Um, and as far as the Pacers goes, they need to – it's pretty tough to beat the uh, Cavs, but Paul George has to do what he's doing. Uh, Lance, Stevens, Lance Stevenson, he has to be, I think, even more aggressive because he he can get it done, but um, I think he's holding back just because he just was signed recently. Uh, he trying to He's trying to fit in with the new team, even though he was on the Pacers a couple years ago, but he's trying to fit in, make players better, but I think he should be more aggressive on the offensive side, uh, scoring the ball, because you know he can he can pass the ball, he can assist, but um, he because Jeff Teague is off and on, but Stevenson, he brings that edge to the team, just like Paul George. Um, so I think Stevenson is a, a key factor in them winning a couple games in this series. Before we move on really quick, I, I, I want to piggyback also what Red said. Um, Lance Stevenson, actually, after game one, was probably their second best player. Um, and down the stretch, it was like, like you said, also what Kali was talking about, firepower. It was like they had no one to really go to. And based upon game one, that last possession, it was almost like the coach didn't even prepare them for if Paul George is to get double team. What do you, what is going to happen if Paul George is double team? So we, we ended up with, uh, who was that, C.J. Miles getting the last shot of the game and almost unexpectedly. So firepower is very, very important as we talk about the uh, playoff stretch and trying to win a championship. Yeah, so I, I think we all agree that the Cavs will win this series, which is no surprise. Probably 99% of the world thinks that. Um, so we're going to move on to another series that many people know they don't play well in the playoffs. Uh, the Clippers and the Jazz. Clippers, they have home court advantage. Uh, Rudy Gobert got hurt in the first play of the game. Um, Hyper extended his knee. And they lost at the buzzer to an old vet and Joe Johnson. So what do you what do you guys think about this series and how the Clippers need to uh, make adjustments to come out of the first round. And and also, my favorite point guard, 
or was my favorite point guard, Chris Paul, how does how do he lead his team out of the first round of the uh, playoffs? The Clippers, man, where do I start? Uh, the Clippers are, are a hard team for me to gauge, to be honest, uh, because they've had those same pieces and those same guys there for a little while where the reoccurring theme seems to be that we get in the playoffs and we struggle. Um, Chris Paul, like you said, uh, has always been a, a guy that I rooted for, somebody that I liked a whole lot. I, I think that, obviously, he's one of the better talents in the NBA. Um, but it seems like they're still missing one piece to get them over the hump. They have a lot of, to me, passive-aggressive guys. And a guy like uh, Blake Griffin, um, DeAndre Jordan, not really a dominant center. So you talk about guys with a whole lot of talent. But a team like the Jazz is going to bring uh, – they, they're going to try to win by committee. And, and like you said, uh, once Gobert got hurt, there's no reason to me that the Clippers should have lost that game. Uh, but then you let a veteran like Joe Johnson just get an opportunity. And guys like that, when you ask me, they're going to be able to take advantage of the moment, being that they've been experienced and they've been in those situations enough time. Overall, I still think the Clippers should win this series. Um, but after game one, knowing the way that that went – it, it puts it's a setback. It, it really is a setback, and it, 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 you don't want to leave the door open for a team to do anything. I'm still picking the Clippers to win that series, though. Uh, what do you think, Kali? Um, I actually wasn't surprised uh, about the outcome of the uh, this game. Um, I think I had the the Jazz winning this series. Uh, I don't I don't actually agree with uh, Mr. Brooch or Mr. Coleman. Um, they might be kicking me off the boat right here, but. Um, <laughs> The, you, the Jazz are just a, a solid team. Just a solid, solid team. Um, they have every piece. I mean, with Gobert going out, obviously they, that, that's a big loss. But I think when you look at the big picture, they have, like I said, every every piece you need to, you know, be a successful team. And um, they, have, they have the veterans, the young players. They have – they just have, like I said, every piece to make it happen. Um, and as Dave said before, the, the, the Clippers, they've always been a team just to – they could get there, but they never really push through. And um, I don't, I don't, I, I really don't see a difference from the team last year. So that's really going to be a hard way for them to go. What do you think, Rush? Well, I agree with both of you guys, but I might have to be on the Clippers side, as I said before. Two to one. Uh, the Jazz do have talent, no question about it. They have Goran Hayward. They have George Hill, who they signed. They have Derek Favors, who had a big game when uh, Gobert went out. Um, I just think the Clippers took their foot off the gas. With, even though it was the first play of the game, they they thought they had the game in the in the bag after he went out. But that obviously wasn't the uh, case. You had Joe Johnson, who came in the fourth quarter, scored about 14 points in the fourth quarter uh, of game one. And he had the game winner. They they didn't call a timeout after Chris Paul made the the layup, the floater, to uh, tie the game. They didn't call a timeout. It was about 12 seconds left. He came down. He went back to his Phoenix Suns days. And he, he drove the ball past Jamal Crawford, who's known for hitting people off. But he does he's not known for playing defense. And uh, he went right by him and, and shot a floater of, of his own over uh, DeAndre Jordan, I believe. And... That was the ball game, and and after the fact, Chris Paul said that uh, 
it's pretty it's pretty bad that they lost that game because but then he also went on to say that they always seem to lose their home games in the playoffs but to keep it uh 100% honest um they lose the first round of every series so i just don't know how you can come out have home court advantage fight all season or the end of the season to get that home court and then give it up with a depleted jazz team who's who's missing a defensive player of the year candidate uh and rudy gobert so it's 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 really a setback for the uh jazz and um the cat uh not the Cavs, the clippers they have to pick it up to uh to make this a series and try to regain uh home court advantage when they get back to jazz but first they got to win game two anybody else have any thoughts on the clippers jazz no i'm just finished with uh I think that it is important for the Clippers to bounce back and and try to show at least that they're, they're a little different than they have been in the past, and being able to find a way in the play winning the playoffs. That's that has been the the biggest hurdle for them to get over in the last few years. And it like I said, it has been a constant, but something that as an NBA fan, as a basketball fan, you would hope that a team that talented would be able to get over. Anything else, Kelly? You good? No, I got the Jazz. I'm, I'm, I'm off the boat, right? You got the Jazz. I'm throwing them off right now. <laughs> so, last but not least, well, first off, Spurs and Grizzlies, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty clear who's going to win that one. Spurs is going to win that one. So, yeah, I'm not going to talk about that one. So, the Greek freak is a problem. He does everything. You put a center on him, they can, they're too slow. You put a guard on him, he puts them in the post. How do you stop a guy that's seven foot and does everything? I don't know, but maybe these guys know. Okay. Uh, Greek Freak to me is a special talent. Um, like you said, you put a bigger guy on him, he goes by him. You put a smaller guy on him, they're just too small. So uh, I, I thought that coming into the playoffs, the Bucks were the, in the East at least, the Bucks were the scariest team to play. Um, I didn't think it mattered where they were in the rankings, I just thought that they were a hard matchup because you're talking about a whole lot of length and size. We're not talking about just him. But at that position, and for those other guys to follow up and have the same length and ability to just distract and be a a nuisance to the opposing team, I thought that was a scary matchup. I think that also affected uh, Cleveland and their thinking. Um, I I really don't know what team has – what they have. So so it's a very special and unique situation that gives them an opportunity really to open the door against any team that they may face, regardless of the amount of talent, because they still have talent along with the size and length. As we talk about size and versatility, um, I think that played a big factor in, in, in game one, uh, especially with uh, the results of Kyle Lowry and how he performed. Um, yeah, six points. Like six four, some, some six four, six points. Um, he wasn't very productive, and as we, as as you guys talked about size, I think that played a, a major role. Uh, even uh, with uh, Corey Joseph, he he didn't he, he gave them little to nothing. And I, I think just that size is play, play, plays a big factor with, on that on that Milwaukee Bucks team. Um, and as we talk about that series, as far as uh, Toronto goes, coming in, 
And Toronto kind of reminds me a little of of uh, the Clippers, the Eastern version of the Clippers. And I say that because when you talk about playoffs, Toronto had uh, we take a guy like Demar Derozan who. It's been very evident to me, at least, that he's worked on his game. He spent the summer working on some things that he wasn't able to necessarily do last year, knock down the mid-range, just get to his spots on the floor. Um, and you have another guy on that team, like a Kyle Lowry, who all season long, we could argue that he was a first or second team NBA guy. And then we get into the playoffs where it's been a constant, where he hasn't been able to show up, at least. Um, they've added a guy like Serge Ibaka who gave him an interior presence and a stretch. TJ Tucker to stretch him out. Right. So guys that you had to stretch the floor out. And like I said, Serge Ibaka, we all know him for his ability to defend, be athletic. And like I said, like you said, uh, with a guy like Tucker, just to stretch the floor out. So I thought that was actually a good addition for them. But the theme, once again, seems to be reoccurring where we get to the playoffs and Kyle Lowry is a no-show. And I think that in this series, against a team like the Bucks, you give them an opportunity to win a series. So overall in this series, I, I right now, based upon the first game, I, I'm going to say that the Bucks are going to go on to win this series. And if you told me to pick a team before the series started, I, I might have wouldn't have went that way, although I said that the Bucks were probably the scariest team. Uh, I think just just, just as, as you said, um, especially with like Kyle, Kyle Lowry not playing well, you got you to gotta get something from – uh, Corey Joseph, uh, players like Corey Joseph, uh, Patrick Patterson, um, PJ Tucker, they got to give you something. They got to give you something, and and that's 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 what they were missing in Game One. So hopefully, you know those players fall in line and give 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 some type of pick me up to the team. Who are you taking this series, then, uh, Colleen? Uh, I was hoping for 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 the Raptors, but um, it's, like I said, it's going to be tough playing playing against that size and uh, it's. Seven game series. That's that's tough playing against. All right, so two hosts. Who you got in the in that series? Well, I would like to play devil's advocate, but it's not the case for this game. Uh, this series. Um, I also think the Bucks will win this series. Even in the, and they don't have Jabari Parker, who's out for the season, which is a big blow. But they still find a way. Uh, to to win the first game, it's even more size. Uh, yeah, and if he was there, their starting five would be six six and taller, and uh, I don't think any team in the league has that. But uh, as far as Toronto goes, Kyle Lowry, he's he just seems to not show up in the playoffs for some reason. Uh, he doesn't hit shots to his to his defense this season. He did just come back from a wrist or hand injury where he had surgery on his shooting hand. Um. So to his defense in a little bit, uh, I'll give him a pass for the first game. But as he said in his post-game interview that I, I, I watched, he said it's not an excuse, which I agree with, but um, he'll be better next game. So we'll see in game two if he, if he gets better, if he uh, got confidence in his, in his shot again or whatever the case may be. But for them to go far, for them to even win the first round, Against the Bucks, he has to be a key factor. I think he needs to score twenty plus points because DeRozan is going to get that regardless. Um, for them to even be in the series, because the Bucks with the Greek Freak, I don't think uh, the the Raptors have anybody to stop him because he's just a walking mismatch. 
So, yeah, I'm going to have to agree with these guys and say the Bucks will win this series. So, as we move on, I think one of the better point guards in this league, people will say Steph Curry, which I, I don't disagree with, Kyrie. Um, but talking about a complete point guard, I think of John Wall, who he's had 50-plus double-doubles um, over the season. Uh, he's, he just gets it done. He, he always he gets his teammates involved, and he scores when he needs to, and he doesn't necessarily look to score, but when he has to score, he scores. But he always seems to have double-digit assists in every game, no matter how many points he has. So we're going to talk about the Wizards series, and I think the Wizards will win the series. Um, but I don't know what these guys think because they've been unpredictable all, all night. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and ask them who they think they will win. Okay, so we're talking about the Wizards. Wizards and Hawks, yeah. Wizards Hawks. Um, Wizards, all year long, I, I've won. I stay in the DMV area, so I've had an opportunity to see the Wizards more than I've seen anybody else. Um, I honestly think they're the biggest threat to knock the Cavs off their throne in the Eastern Conference. Um, their bench isn't necessarily great or hasn't been consistent, I'll say. But as Reg was talking about, John Wall, who I think has finally figured it out. I used to not necessarily care or like John Wall a lot because I thought he played at one speed and I thought it affected the way he played. But he's really figured out the pace of the game, playing off ball screens, being able to knock down the mid-range and make those decisions to find guys off the screens and make things happen. Uh, in game one, we watched John Wall dominate the game and his ability to find his teammates and other guys to make shots. That that becomes contagious. You got guys like Morris who knocks down shots. Even Kelly Oubre comes off the bench, able to knock shots. I also like to pick up uh, Brandon Jennings, I thought has been a quality, very solid pickup for them and also been able to be effective, at least in game one, as uh, they try to make a run in the playoffs. Um, I think that, oh, I saw after we watched game one, I watched Jason Smith got hurt. Um, they're they're a little thin inside at the big position after Gortat. That'll be something they have to figure out. But I think as long as John Wall is able to make really good decisions and continue to play at a high level on both ends of the floor because he's been very, very uh, aggressive on the defense and also that has helped their team and been an uh, asset for the things that they're trying to do or what they're trying to accomplish in the East. So in this series, I am going to go with uh, the Wizards. Um I just think that John Wall is too much and that that team is top heavy or as far as the Eastern Conference goes, they're the, they're they're on that first tier of teams and they have enough to get them over the hump. Um, I, I agree with Dave and, and, and Reggie. Uh, I probably have uh, the the Wizards winning this series. Um, John Wall is just, as, as, as both these guys say, he's, he's magnificent. He does the unthinkable. Um, he leads his team. And I think this also brings up a, another, you know, argument to something we brought up earlier with um, Russell Westbrook and the team he has. And if you look at the team he has, and then you look at John Wall and the team he has, I don't, I don't think it's too much different. And I think John Wall has has, and and the the Wizards will be a little bit more successful just because they're playing in the East, which is obviously a, a weaker division than the, than the Western Conference. But um, 
we'll always say that the East is a little more watered down. So being on the East Coast, uh, coaching a team with a frontline guy like John Wall, um, the, uh, another important piece for John Wall and his team also that I, I forgot to bring up was Bradley Bill. Uh, Bradley Bill's ability, to me, the second prettiest or second best, one of the top three shooters in the league if you look at, you know, just the way he's able to knock down shots for that team. I, th- I think that's very important for what they're trying to get done. And he did that at a high level down the stretch, which was uh, a, a big key f- for what they did in game one. Yeah, as Dave said, Bradley Bill is a, a difference maker for them because you know John Wall is going to get his numbers. Uh, but it, it depends on whether or not Bradley Bill is hitting shots, uh, making threes, really. And uh, just attacking the basket because when he's aggressive, they tend to have a better outing in the games. Um, but when it's just John Wall and it's just John Wall all night um, and no help from any of the other guys, uh, they they tend to not play as well, obviously. Um, but, yeah, like we said, I think the Wizards will win this series. But I'm going to jump over to the Hawks really quickly. Um Dwight Howard, he's not a factor as of now. He hasn't been a factor really years. for a couple of years, <laughs> and um, he just he just isn't it. And and like we said earlier in the show, uh, star power. Hawks have no star power. If you ask me, I don't, I don't know what these guys feel. But um, they have no star power, and they want to jump in. Go ahead, whenever you want to. I'm going to quickly jump in. I'm going to talk about, like we just talked about, Dwight Howard. Uh, everywhere he's been, he to me, he's been problematic. Uh, in the beginning, we tried to give him the benefit of the doubt because of his athletic ability and his ability to just make plays at the rim. But like you said, or like Kyle just said, in years he hasn't been able to do that. And and. He he really was the reason to me. Game one they lost. I I looked at the numbers. I saw he had uh, a lot of rebounds or whatnot. But for a guy to be that big and he was getting pushed off the block constantly by uh, Gortat, who don't get me wrong is a uh, strong center and a big guy, but not one that I think uh, I would think that was you know if we're talking about front uh, one tier and two tier guys, I, w- I would take thinking just based off a of name and you know what they've who they are, I would think Dwight Howard would have been better of the two. And he didn't look good at all. Only finishing with, I want to say, six points. So he, he was a really big disappointment. And you talk about the Hawks, like you said, they, the, the star power just isn't there. Um, I, I, I'm not a big fan of their coach either. I don't know too, too much about them. But uh, just, just off of what I see what they have there, and not that they have a whole lot, but I don't really like the way that the system that they're running because – and it falls on, like I said, the White Howard and the coach being that him being such a we would like to call a star power guy, and not being able to give what that team needs. I believe just just the Hawks, just like as we said before, just we don't have that guy with us. Even having to mention the White Howard as the star, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it, it, obviously it's something bad, something bad going on in Atlanta, and uh, they need to figure that out next season. Yeah. And to go against what Dave said about the coach, I think he's actually a pretty good coach. Came from San Antonio, where it's a great uh, system, I think. But he just doesn't have the, a star player to build around. Um, but I, overall, I think he's a good coach. He just doesn't have the players. So on that note, we all said the Wizards, Wizards. will win. Um, but last but not least... 
uh, a team that I, I really don't like personally. Um, but the Warriors and the Trailblazers, uh, that series was pretty good so far from the first game. Uh, a lot of scoring, um, a bunch of trash talk between Draymond Green, Draymond Green, uh, Damian Lillard, and CJ McCollum. Um, you gotta love it when it's trash talk involved. Um, but the Warriors won the first game, and so how do you guys think the rest of the series will go? Um, to to me, uh, like you said, this series, the beginning of the year, first of all, on paper, I would have thought that uh, Portland would have been a little better uh, to help their seeding, but it, it is what it is. Now we're talking about the playoffs. So for them to be in a series with the Warriors, I don't really know if they have enough um, injuries also added to, you know, their downfall or not having a third or four option, somebody else, firepower, as we've been speaking about for a while. Um, and Damian Lillard and uh, CJ McCollum, two very strong guards. Um, I think they have a bright future, but I, I really don't think that they have enough really uh, to compete or get over the hump against the Warriors. As I've been mentioning before, uh, it's a reoccurring thing with uh, just firepower. Um, it's it's tough when you have two players, you know, that that, that come out and give you, that you know what they're going to give you every night, but you don't know who, who, what everybody else around them is going to give you. And playing against a team like the Warriors, you need everybody to play their role, everybody to play above above the expect expectations. And... You, I don't think you're gonna get that out of it. You might get that one or two games from 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 the Trailblazers. A seven game series is not gonna happen. I think this series will be over quick. Yeah, it's hard me hard for me to say, but I agree. The Warriors will win. Well, I think they will win. Um, it's just too much star power, as we talked about before. Uh, you got Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green, who does everything. Um, Trailblazers just don't have enough scoring to keep up with them. They have McCullum and Lillard who can score with the best of them, but but then after that, it's just it's nothing really. Uh, they have a, a bunch of role players who can't get can't create their own shot. Um, they are missing their center who they just acquired midway through the season from Denver and Nurkic. Uh, he's hurt and. Who knows if he, he's going to be back for this series. But if he doesn't come back, then I don't see them even coming close to uh, competing with the the Warriors this series. And uh, any other thoughts before we, we sign out tonight? No, I think that uh, we covered everything. And I'm just hoping for uh, a good NBA playoff series being a basketball fan. I don't want to see necessarily sweeps. I mean, I'm sure one or two may happen, but I'm hoping just to see competitive basketball and just to see some transparency in the NBA, kind of like we saw in, in the college scene, to be honest. Because uh, uh, I, I think that is a platform that everybody's watching, and we want to see the best, obviously. But uh, we also want to see some competitive play. When I want to see some upsets, as Kali said, um, you got Chicago who's up right now. You have the Bucks who who's up. Uh, you have the Jazz who up who's up. So there there's a possibility for some upsets. Um, and 
I just want to thank you guys for listening to the first podcast for Showtime Sports. I I want to thank David Broach and Kylie Lewis for coming in and being my guests for today. Uh, and I'm Reggie Comey, your host. And I just want to ask you guys to subscribe and review and leave reviews on iTunes. And uh, I'll appreciate it. And see you next episode. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.